Ready. Set. Spartan Race is back for 2018, and we're accepting no excuses. Barbed wire crawls, tire drags, spear throws, and much more. Whatever your ability, you'll discover the right challenge for you. Take on our 5 to 25 kilometer events designed to push you to limits you never knew you could overcome. Complete an obstacle course race and let adventure back into your life. Are you ready to unleash your inner Spartan warrior? Visit spartanrace.uk. Good evening, Saints fans and NFLers around the world. Welcome to the Who Dat Dish podcast, the best Saints podcast this side of the Mississippi. As always, we are part of Fan Sided. I'm your host, Dayton Brown. What's up, everybody? I don't know if you heard that, Dilly Dilly. I agree with you, Dayton. I'm your other host, Tyler Raymond. As always, we have an amazing episode for you guys tonight, brought brought to you by this amazing podcast. Back again with us uh, tonight. He was with us last episode. He's with us tonight to help review the Panthers game and preview the Falcons game. Is Saints fan Charlie? So welcome to the show, Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're very happy to help uh, have you on, Charlie, for 25th episode, uh, official, non-official, because we've had more than that. But yeah, how have you been, dude? Great, man. It's awesome to be on the Quarter Century episode with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Quarter yeah. Century. There you go. This is kind of a big deal episode, so to speak. But, uh, I mean, it's the middle of the season. We can't we can't pause things to, to make a big, you know, celebration. We got we to gotta plug away because the Saints just won yesterday. And that was, that was awesome. Uh, you guys able to catch the game, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's all right. Awesome. And, and like I said, monies are always better when the Saints win on Sunday. Uh, but we have a game on Thursday, actually, against the uh, Atlanta Falcon- Falcons, which we will dive into uh, later in the show. We're going to do articles of the week real quick before we talk about um, the Saints win at home against the Panthers. Uh, the article I want to plug away is my own. If you go to hoodatdish.com, uh, it'll be one of the first articles you see on the dashboard. Um, I pretty much just talked about how the Saints clinched their first winning season since 2013. And this was also the first time they swept the Panthers uh, in the regular season since 2012. So a couple of big milestones. Also kind of talked about even though the Saints um, won yesterday, they are still just fourth in the uh, NFC standings uh, because the Vikings and the Rams both won. And even though the Eagles lost, you know, they only dropped to the two seed. Uh, And the Seahawks gained ground in the playoffs. So uh, we had a really good game for our division ranking, but it didn't do much for our overall playoff uh, standing, unfortunately, but um, obviously clinched the winning season, so that's awesome. Hoodatdish.com, be sure to check it out. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into that Panthers game, Tyler. Yeah, there we go. So, yesterday was very exciting. Uh, I'm sure it was for all of you other Saints fans. I know the three of us here can agree it was very exciting. The Saints crushed their opponent, the Carolina Panthers. We declawed them. We humiliated them. We took control, and it was awesome. By a score of 31-21, to you know, in week 13, the Saints had a total of 400 yards on the dot while we held Carolina just under 280. So I'll kick it off here, guys. What did you guys think overall of the game? Go ahead, Charlie. All yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, so not I, everyone at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know you were throwing it to you. Um, it's all good. Obviously happy to get a win, happy to get a win at home, happy to see Camara uh, be Camara. They were um, – I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy again. They're just – I think the Bills game is probably the most complete game we've played. But this game, although it was a 10-point win, and uh, kudos to uh, Roy, who um, the uh, Houdad Dish uh, editor, for calling a 10-point win. I think the three of us were even in some sort of agreement. But I had a couple ifs in there, ifs and buts. 
we'll win by 20, uh, you know, win by 10. But if not, we may lose. Um, shows how wrong I am. We didn't have Lattimore back. Put it this way, guys. We went in there without two of our best defenders in Marcus Williams, who really is our only center fielder back there at safety. Yeah. Um, our number one corner, Marshawn Lattimore, who uh, not just in New Orleans and Saints fans, but outside in the, the NFL world, who is kind of the defensive rookie of the year candidate. Um, and also our starting left tackle. We go up against yeah. uh, a stout, tough, well-coached, very disciplined Panthers team. Uh, and we get a good win at home against those guys. There were some there were some ugly things about the game I didn't like. Um, I hated the Josh Hill turnover that about made me go completely ballistic. Yeah. I hated the Will Lutz missed field goal. Those are two turnovers. Um, you know, and, and on that drive, when talking about the uh, the missed field goal, Breeze throws a pass on the right on the right sidelines that goes right through the defender's hands, and it should have been an interception. And mm. I'm thinking, God, Breeze just has nine lives because I can. I can think off the top of my head so many dropped interceptions that have happened against him this season. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. We don't get a first down. We line up to kick a field goal, and the uh, Panthers end up gaining like 20-some yards off the missed field goal because had they got the interception, it would have been 20 or so yards back. Um, There were some penalties that happened that I didn't like. I thought Pete started off having a very rough day against Addison. I thought he he sort of ate Pete's lunch in the first half, and he kind of settled in. But, you know, you're going up against a tough team, and that it was a playoff, and it was a play, the game had a playoff feel to it. I thought that the team, you know, as young as we are, uh, we we're super well coached. I thought we put together a solid game plan. It looked like we had a, a one hell of a week of practice. And once again, it was the Alvin Kamara show and uh, the Mark Ingham world. I saw on, online today the, the latest nickname for them is Boom and Zoom. I was going to mention that. Yeah. I get to- oh, sorry, steal your thunder, bro. No, it's all good. Um, yeah, I, I can totally live with Boom and Zoom. I don't care what we call them. It's, it's just great their world. <laughs> it's their That's world awesome. and we're living in it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I was pleased to get a win. We pull out a little bit further, um, and we sort of put the Panthers to bed. I don't know if – I don't think it, in the uh, Peyton Breeze era there's been a sweep of the Panthers. I don't think uh, there's 2011. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. There's I saw the, it earlier. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2012 was the only time we, we swept the Panthers. 2012, 2012, we swept. 2012, yeah. 2012, we swept them. Uh, We beat them. Yeah, we beat them like 20 to 17 in one of the games. Then we blew them out like 45 to 14 in the other one. Yeah, Uh, I mean, of all the other foes in the NFC South, it's the Panthers really that give us the most fits. Not the Bucks and not the Falcons. Right. But uh, yeah, that's what I thought about the game. What did you think, Dan? Yeah. Well, well, watching the game, one word came to my head uh, because again, this Saints team hasn't been spectacular at home. This year we have we have one I guess blowout win you know really impressive win uh, at home and I, that was against the uh, Buccaneers when we beat them by twenty. Um, this game really when I, when I was watching it I could just see how comfortable the Saints were. They they looked so much more comfortable than they have uh, even in the past since since Buffalo I think uh, this was the most um, comfortable they've been that I've seen at least. Um, in, in, in a couple of weeks. So seeing Breeze in the pocket, the way he's able to operate, um, seeing, like you said, Alvin Kamara making those plays, bouncing off guys, breaking tackles, uh, it, it, it was just fantastic to watch. Um, and hopefully my sound isn't isn't going too bad. Okay, okay. <laughs> hopefully it's not too bad. Um, yeah, no, we can work with it. It's cool. fine. Cool, cool. Hopefully it's yeah. not too bad. Um, 
let me know if it gets any worse. Sorry if, if that's coming back on the recording. Um, no, it's okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, as, as long as I'm not too bad, that's awesome. But, yeah, <laughs> Alvin Kamara was looking great. He was breaking tackles, like I said, to gain those extra yards. This man has a nose for the end zone. And, and yeah. as a rookie, that that's so hard to find. He went up against uh, Christian McCaffrey, definitely got the better of McCaffrey, even though McCaffrey had, had a really nice touchdown grab. Uh, leading up to this week, you hear, I mean, Luke Keekley even said he hadn't seen talent like Alvin Kamara, even though Christian McCaffrey was drafted <laughs> two rounds before him by his own team. He gets to watch him in practice every day. I thought yeah. that that was funny to see. and But he's right, Alvin Kamara, I mean, he proved it again. Um, and, and Ingram, that's the thing about Ingram is, He's still mm-hmm. getting more carries than 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 Kamara is. Ingram yeah. is still the number one back on this team, uh, and as far as you know, the load of carries. Uh, but you know, Kamara is so versatile; he's just able to find other ways to to get the ball. And we you got to credit Sean Payton's um, offense play for that. Calling. Peter Carmichael's yeah. play calling and the way Drew Brees is able to operate the offense. They've been that 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 that's the thing about the, this duo is um, no matter what, they're at least going to be consistent with how they run things. Um, on offense, no matter who's around them. And, and now that there's so much talent around these guys, it's awesome. Um, as far as the Panthers, I mean, Cam Newton had an, had an all right day. Didn't throw a pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, I, I would say he his stats are definitely below average. Um, but he got sacked as many times as Breeze. But he, he, he just didn't throw the ball as often as Breeze did. Seven less attempts. So he wasn't back there in the pocket as often. Um, and it just yeah. seemed like the pan- I mean, this the Saints. I think that this was the game where they had the their best time of possession differential uh, this entire season. the The Panthers just didn't have the ball enough to do much with it. Um, mm-hmm. And that uh, again, yeah, that Josh Hill fumble sucked for us. Luckily, though, we were able to even out the turnover, um, wh- whatever the turnover ratio. Uh, uh, so, so that it was at least even. At least we weren't in the deficit. At least it didn't kill us or anything. So, mm-hmm. again, I just think the Saints looked really comfortable. Breeze looked – I think he looked great uh, in that pocket standing tall. Uh, 25 to 34, 269 yards. Uh, I think that that, that, was, that was a really great game. Um, and, I, again, Ingram and Kamara are, are some of the best – they might be the best running back duo that we have right now in, in the NFL. Um, yeah. And yeah. – Everybody just played pretty consistent. Now, yeah, again, that 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 fumble, um, some of the play calling. Let let me go to team stats real quick, um, just so I have the exact number. Yeah, um, that's again, again the t- the time of possession was just what impressed me the most because talked about it last week with, with Los Angeles. Los Angeles was able to control the field, control the ball uh, all throughout the game. Yeah, we we had 19 first downs compared to their 16, uh, and that was fantastic. But we were only you know six of 15 from third down. Uh, with the way our offense was moving, I kind of I expect that number to be better. I expect it to be um, at least over fifty percent, uh, to be honest with you. But we were lucky that our defense held them to three of ten uh, on third down efficiency. Yeah. Um, so you know, yeah. it, 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 we we just outplayed them in in almost every aspect of of what was going on. If they did something, the Saints were able to answer right back and then some. Uh, so I was just really impressed with this team, and this again was the most important game because now we guaranteed. <laughs> the tiebreaker and there goes the ad uh we are guaranteed the tiebreaker <laughs> over the panthers uh it, for the division for the playoffs um and we since atlanta lost we are two games ahead of them so this thursday matchup we have a little bit more and i'm not saying that we need to play lax but we have a little bit more breathing yeah. room now that we won this game and our division um future is uh, in a lot better state so uh, all around they look comfortable probably the best one of the season so far if you take everything into account 
really impressed with this team. Every every week they surprise me with how well they do. Yeah. So, okay. Here's my hot take. It's not really a hot take because everybody knows it's true. Alvin Kamara is the best second stream running back in the National Football League. I agree. Fight me. I no. disagree. I disagree. I don't think Ooh. he's second, I don't think he's a second stringer. I think he's a oh. starter. He's oh, a starter. Yeah. Well, I get your point. I get your point. I get your point. Yeah, yeah. By far the best. Yeah, if there if it comes to any team where, uh, if it comes to any team where you know they have two running backs, the uh, you know what I mean, like um, uh, Alvin Kamara is you know he's obviously amazing. You know, I, okay. So there is this one drive I think we all remember very well. It was a drive where uh, Ingram had 70, 80 yards, and then uh, Kamara had nine yards. Then Ingram scored. Drew Brees didn't throw one single pass in that minute. That the Saints were able to march down the field and, and score like that. How incredible is it knowing that you have on the other side of the coin your Hall of Fame veteran quarterback Drew Brees ready to light up a defense? But no, you decided to use your two stud running backs to take care of it. Like the fact is, like this team right now, you what they remind me of? I, I really wish they had a cool nickname to go on with it. You know, the uh, the Rams were very good. I think it was the Rams. Yeah, the greatest show on turf. Uh, it feels like the Saints right now, almost like the greatest show right now in the NFC. Because, like, it, it seems like whenever the offense is on the field, like, 98% of the time, it's electric. It's energizing. It's like, I want to get more of it. But, unfortunately, they're only uh, on the, you know, it's only a 60-minute game. But, um, right. I don't know. I, I, loved, I loved it. I loved how Alvin Kamara was super, you know, he was a game-changer for this team. I loved how... Just a two-headed monster of Kamara Ingram. They really show what they're made of, and they don't hold back, and that's the best part, you know. And I don't know. Obviously, there are some things you know no team's gonna get right, but I loved it. It was a great win. But uh, okay, shout out mm-hmm. Taysom Hill. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I know we were, later. We're, we're probably gonna mention him later, but we he needs a shout out right away because yeah. that was that was fantastic. Like I've never seen anything like that before in my life. That was awesome. Shout out to Taysom Hill for that great special teams play. Third string quarterback hey, suiting up. Go, go, third string quarterback. Hey, Taysom Hill was clocked at four four two. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe that. That's, He's six two, two thirty or two twenty five or whatever. Provo, yeah. Utah, represent BYU. I know, right? That's yeah. That's a great. That was what a great story. And and uh, during the broadcast, Buck and Aikman were just completely yeah. gushing over this yeah. kid. Yeah. But hey, that's done for it. Okay, so next one I've got for you guys is: Do you think? Oh, okay. Here, I'm actually gonna flip the order a bit around. Uh, I'll transition. Well, don't worry, we've got this. Who? What was your favorite play of the game? And what was your favorite player for the impact that they made during the game? Mm. So two questions for you guys. <laughs> Play and player. Go go ahead first, Charlie. Yeah. I'll let you go. I won't steal uh, your thunder. We might have the same guy, so I'll, I'll yeah. let you go first. Play. Well, okay, so obviously I think the player of the game was, was Alvin Kamara just because he, you know, he's he's the difference maker in these wins. It's Alvin Kamara. Um, as far as play of the game, I, may, I mean, okay, we can throw out all the obvious ones. We can throw mm-hmm. out the, the fourth and goal, you know. Oh, that was you know he's getting answer. slammed. It, it, like, the guy, the guy's core strength is just mm-hmm. unreal. Like, yeah. the balance comes from very man. strong legs. He has yeah, very strong legs, obviously, but he has an incredibly strong core. So, yeah, that fourth and goal touchdown, that was awesome. The 70-yarder by Mark, that was awesome. Um, 
But the play that stuck out to me the most on offense was there was a there was a time during the broadcast where you got to see um, you got to see they did like that Madden camera view where it's behind the offense. So I love that view. It was it was so cool because like if you saw that on from the regular angle from the you know the fifty yard line angle and you saw the ball that Breeze threw down the sidelines to Thomas, you'd be like, oh man, awesome! You know that's a great play, but. Being able to see that play develop behind Breeze, basically seeing what he's seeing, seeing the pocket open up. If you if you if you watch it, he when he takes the snap and he takes his first steps, he's looking straight down the field to hold the the, the middle safety, and then he, yeah. he throws his head to the left and he looks into the flat to pull the corner up a little bit. And then at the very last second, he finds Michael Thomas. He fires the ball down the sidelines. And that, to me, is a $30 million throw. There's not that many quarterbacks in the league that can make that throw. And that split, you know, those split seconds with his eye movement, his little shoulder shake he did to the left, and then he fires. To me, that was the play of the game because of the angle that Fox gave us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How about you, Dan? I am going to go with uh, Ingram's 72-yard run. Uh, I really wish it would have turned into a touchdown because, I mean, like, that would have been our – that would have masked, like, any beast mode jokes. Like, ever, like, we, we could have just used that instead uh, uh, because that beast mode run by Marshawn Lynch has been haunting us uh, ever since it happened. But if Ingram finished that off with the, with the touchdown, that would that would have been really awesome. But that that really officially, I think, cemented the momentum in the in the Saints' favor. And that, that was really the play where you, you go, this team is going to be able to just run amok on, on any team they go against. Uh, because that was that was Ingram, who was getting like the even lesser attention than Kamara. And Ingram is still out yeah. here being able to make plays like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I, I just loved that run. Uh, like I said, it really cemented it. Um, if I had to give the game ball to anybody or, or, or who I thought uh, my favorite player was... Uh, it's definitely got to be Kamara. I think that's the obvious choice here. Really, Ken Crawley. I know Charlie, you were you were gushing over Crawley on Twitter as well because he he played a fantastic game. If I had to give the ball to a defensive player, I, I think I'd give it to Crawley because he really stepped up and his game back. He 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 proved his worth this game to the team. How important he is after missing last week against the Rams. I think he was able to step up. Not even really step up, just step back into what he was doing before the injury. And I, I was yeah. really impressed by Crawley. Best game of his career, in my yes. opinion. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So One more my... thing on Kamara, uh, Tyler. Yeah. Sorry. This it's is okay. No, no, no stats, no nothing. But how New Orleans is Alvin yes. Kamara? Yes. He is yeah, for he the leaf, the city. He sits. He fits the city perfect. He's got the gold grill. Yep. He's tatted up. He's got the bull ring in his nose. He's jumping yeah. into the stands. He's Florida partying. Leaf. Even that tape he's got on the back of his arms, for some reason, yeah. I think is so fine. I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it a lot. He's just New Orleans through and through, and yeah. it, 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 it he's married to the city forever. Yeah, it's funny. So uh, uh, before I, I tell you my answer, the funny part is on Twitter, there's actually a thing back <laughs> from 2012. I don't know if anyone – I told you this, Charlie. But um, yeah. <laughs> there was a thing where – okay, so if you know Saints Twitter, if you don't know them by now, you should definitely know Saints Twitter because of – um, it's funny. So basically uh, uh, what Saints Twitter is known for – basically Saints Twitter is just basically a bunch of people like – uh, do stuff, you know, only Saints fans would do. So they went through Alvin Kamara's old tweets all the way back to 2012 when he mentioned how uh, how he hated the Saints and stuff. It was really funny. And they actually, uh, he got so many notifications about it, he actually deleted the tweet. And then deleted the tweet, they said he deleted the tweet. So that was pretty funny. But, so, 
speaking of that, my favorite play had to be Alvin Kamara when it wasn't the fourth uh, goal stand, although that was my second favorite, is when I think he, he ran up the middle and Drew Brees, you know, handed it off to him, and he got like 15 yards, I think, something around there, and he just juked two guys in a matter of a second. I'm like, man, this guy is like the human joystick, you know, or another one, I don't know if you heard me mention it a second ago, he, uh, if anybody watches Family Guy, he's like the greased up death guy. Nobody can catch him, and it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you guys never mentioned this. I'm surprised you didn't. My favorite player of the game, my boy, Willie Sneed. You guys didn't mention how he had a couple grabs. Yeah, and he did. He's slowly getting acclimated into this offense. And he the funny part up. is, I read on Twitter how apparently when he came back from his suspension, he was overweight. He's so, overweight. Yeah, I never knew that. So I, I find it crazy now how... Uh, he, you actually have some questions to answer about him later. I find it crazy how, you know, he's slowly getting back into things. And I, I'm telling you, if we get him, like, prime Willie Sneed back in the playoffs, oh, man, we just get so much more dangerous, you know? Look out, Vikings, Rams, and Eagles. That's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah Willie Sneed. Next Snead, one I've got for you guys. He, he's just, he's just I, I think he's finally just kind of grooving back into this offense and, and, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm with you, Tyler. I really hope he's able to yeah, step good. up and uh, and make some plays for us because I'm missing Willie Sneed out there. But, I mean, Ted Ginn Jr. has been able to fill that role, I think, a little bit even better, uh, even though it's more down the field than more general West Coast yeah. slot catches like, like Willie Sneed is used to. But uh, it, it would be nice to see him back. Yeah, he's so coming got- back. I think, I think Sneed's <laughs> coming back. He's yeah. just oh, he's yeah. getting his way work back in, like Tyler said. It was reported over the uh, broadcast by uh, Buck and Aikman again, that he came back overweight, and Peyton's yeah. like, "What are you doing, man? Yeah, you gotta, seriously. you gotta, you gotta drop the weight and get back into yeah. football shape. Yeah. And football shape is different than just being in shape." Yeah. So okay, so I've got like a this is almost like a mixed question. Dayton mentioned it earlier. Who do you think deserves some game balls? We actually know who got the game balls. For example, Taysom Hill actually did get one at the end of the game. But who you guys believe deserves praise for this game? Any players you feel deserve that we haven't mentioned yet uh deserve you know noting for the audience what do what you guys think um I, I i would give a game ball to uh if i could to our offensive line i think that they had 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 a pretty nice game um as well if if i mean they were able to so i mean when you talk about mark ingram um a couple of weeks ago i think it was or maybe it was last broadcast charlie uh, uh yeah it was when we were talking about the rams game and you talked about Ingram wasn't able to, you know, accelerate, and and that that's what he looked like. He looked a little bit too slow against the Panthers, though. I think the offensive line was able to open up really nice holes for Ingram to sprint through. Yeah. Um, and so I want to give a I want to give a little shout out, special game ball to those guys. Um, as far as defense, other than Ken Crawley, I'd probably give him the game ball. Um, need to give a shout out to um, Sheldon Rankins, uh, not only for yeah, he being able to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being able to prove me wrong because last week I said I would like to see more out of Sheldon Rankins and 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 you guys were right when you said he does attract a lot of double teams so that helps out our team a lot. But he also chased down Newton on that huge. I guess it was only yep. like a thirty-five yard run, but he was able to chase down Newton and he's a yep. big guy to to be able to get down there and save that play. So I just for that simply that hustle and then again his his ability to play a majority of the defensive snaps while being double teamed. Yeah, mm. you got to give a shout out to to Sheldon Rankins. So thanks, yeah. Sheldon. Yeah, my game ball um, that I would, if not, you know, not a player, I'd give my game ball to Dennis Allen. There you go. Um, he's going without his, his starting safety. He's going without Lattimore. And when you play against Cam Newton 
It's almost kind of like you're playing against Russell Wilson, these these quarterbacks who can absolutely end you on their feet. You can't you can't really commit to sacking him with your front four guys. And like during the game, I'm watching. I'm like, what are we doing? What he has all all day to throw the ball. What are we doing? Yeah. Basically, Dennis Allen said, "You're not going to beat us with your feet. We're going to make you beat us with your arm, yep. and and we'll let the chips fall where they fall." And basically. Uh, what you could see was we were doing. I think it was Rankins actually did an uh, like a post game locker room interview. I was I was reading, and basically the, the game plan against him was to keep him in the pocket, yes, but to build like a wall and sort of push the wall back to him and try to get get pressure in his face um, without losing any kind of gap integrity. And Dayton, you mentioned that long run that uh, Sheldon Rankins chasing down on. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen if if Kikaha doesn't blow his assignment. Kikaha mm-hmm. got way too far upfield, and um, you know maybe against a, a, a quarterback with with different skill set, Kikaha may have actually gotten a sack on that yeah. because he was able to bend around the left tackle. But all Cam Newton had to do was step up, saw the hole, and then caught us in man coverage. Um, and was able to take off for 30-something yards until our defensive tackle chased him down. So for the most part, I would give the game ball to Dennis Allen for putting together a solid game plan to stop what they do. They're they're without their weapons. They didn't have their best receiver in in Greg Olson, but Cam Newton Mm -hmm. can can beat you all by himself. And I thought – I thought Dennis Allen put together a, a really good game plan to stop that, and I think the defensive line coach um, Nielsen, I think his name is, uh, he came over from NC State. I think he's coached these guys up incredibly this year, and, and the game plan those guys were able to put together on Sunday really worked. And my game ball goes to Dennis Allen. I like yeah, that. yeah. Uh, Carolina, me, go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> uh, for me, I was just gonna say uh, Ken Crawley and uh, PJ Williams. You know. Everyone always gets worried when Lennon Ward's in playing, but we've got to give credit to these guys for it. PJ had a penalty. Easy. He had a penalty. Everybody gets penalties. Come on now. <laughs> He's not Devontae Harris, that's for sure. Yeah. But who do you guys think hurt themselves? Not metaphorically. Uh, metaphorically, eh, metaphorically, of course, during this game. First of all, I do want to say about Devonta Harris, this podcast might have uh, reached the ears of Sean Payton, or maybe all the Saints fans did because he did get cut <laughs> uh, before yeah. uh, before you the know, game I, against Carolina. I did kind of wager crusade against him, and you know, yeah. let me let me be a hundred percent honest. Devonta Harris getting cut means he's out of work. It means yeah. he has to find a way to provide for his family. Yeah, right. it means that the world his world just got flipped upside down, and it's you it know sucks. it's all fun and games and stuff like that but you know at the end of the day it is a business and yeah it is my business or anybody else's business if an employee's not performing up to their potential eventually the strikes are going to run out right so yeah, i mean yeah we make jokes about Devonte harris but you know it is a guy's life and i do hope that he can catch on because there is something in Devonte harris there's something yeah. that the coaches yeah. see in training camp there's something that that they've seen in practice that yeah. for so long he was starting over the other guys and there's something there i just hope he can he can latch onto a team I that agree. That can uh, that can really you put that potential to to good use. And I would say, as far as who kind of hurt themselves, it's kind of an easy one to pick on. I, I'd say it's a toss up between Lutz and um, and Josh Hill. I'm going to go the Lutz side oh, there you because go. because I can see a missed field goal coming back to haunt us in a moment that you absolutely cannot. You cannot let that happen. So Where this Walsh dude that we this this special team or the special teams guru we that that we hired, we've got to get the kicking game down because to yeah. me Lutz is too streaky. 
Yeah, what yeah. were you, Dan? Yeah, it, it would probably, for me, it would be Josh Hill. Uh, it's either, like you said, it's between Josh Hill and uh, Lutz. I'll go with Hill simply because, I mean, we just lost our starting tight end, Fleener, to the IR. Uh, this is supposed to be the time where Hill steps up, uh, and it just kind of seemed like that fumble, you know, that's a mistake that uh, Fleener didn't make when he was healthy, um, at least not this season. And, you know, Hill turning the ball over when, other than that, we would have had a, a perfect game, or, or at least a near-perfect game. Uh, it, it hurts us more than just a simple fumble because this is now the guy at the tight end spot. So uh, just kind of a bad first impression first. I mean, he did he, he had a catch, um, eight yards, nothing too special. I think that he, he blocked all right, uh, obviously helped out the run game. But, uh, you know, if you, this, is, this was his first impression as the starting tight end for the rest of the season and into the playoffs uh and i don't think he made a very good first impression so i, I think he he hear himself the most out of uh, anybody him and lutz i'm with charlie yeah uh it's funny you guys um i mentioned those two uh so this player i've got depends on where he's played and just pete at left tackle let's hope toronto Armstead gets yeah. back yeah he's yeah. great left guard don't get me wrong i love him at left guard but left tackle eh not so much He's not so, a tackle. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple more questions for you guys about the review of the Panthers game. Do you guys think there are any remaining doubts about this team? Like anything that's going to ho- hold us back uh, going forward? Mm, um, I, Not really. I mean, I think that this team has really started. Other than this team has got to stay healthy. Uh, yeah, because when we had Lattimore and Crawley out um, and, you know, Marcus Williams, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to return soon. Um having those guys just because of how much talent these guys have individually having them not there uh we're just not able to go the extra mile how we are you know when, when they're actually healthy and starting and playing for us so um the i think the only concern going forward for us is the health of our team and how good the rest of the nfc is because this is going to be a really really tough uh way to the not only the way to the playoffs but trying to get through the playoffs is going to be really tough because of how talented the rest of the teams are remaining. Like I said, we're still fourth, even though we we won a big divisional game. We remain in the same exact spot because the rest of the NFC won, and we don't have the tiebreakers over the Vikings or the Rams. So uh, that's that could be a killer for us too. But yeah, I think health is health is the main concern right now. How about yeah. you, Charlie? No, I totally agree. I think yeah. uh, I think health, yeah, um, and and this is gonna this is not anything we can the Saints players can control, but just the youth of our team. Every now and then you get a young team like this that gets on a hot run. Atlanta last year, they were they were the best team in football last year, the mm-hmm. whole season. Mm-hmm. Their quarterback was MVP. They go to the Super Bowl. They're up 28-3 to on Tom Brady. And then that youth just kind of happened. And and yeah. a lot of it was was coaching mistakes by 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 the the uh, the the, uh, the Falcons to let, you know, to keep throwing the ball when you're up three scores on Tom Brady, you know, that kind of stuff. But I just don't want these guys to realize how young they are. Just you're winning, you're beating these quality teams. We've we've lost to three division leaders. Um, and, you know, they talk about the rookie wall. You don't want to see anything like that happen with these guys. You don't want to see the youth start to catch up. You just want to see them full steam ahead. And having Sean Payton from the Bill Parcells coaching tree, I think that's the perfect type of coaching mm-hmm. philosophy and style for that kind of team. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Just stay healthy and stay focused. Keep your keep our heads down. Keep grinding out these wins and, you know, lean yeah. on our coach and lean on our Hall of Fame quarterback. 
So it's funny. I agree with you too. I think uh, health is a big issue. I think, you know, obviously, especially in the playoffs, you're gonna want all your best players back. You're gonna want all of your uh, players available. You know, especially when you have tough teams that you're going to need all your best players available. But guys, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we'll transition from our Carolina Panthers review to our uh, Falcons preview, and then Dayton's gonna be asking us some questions about the Falcons and what we expect from that game. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. All right, All right, guys. guys we are... <laughs> wow. All right, guys, we are right back. Yeah, uh, Jinx. All right, guys, we're right back. So uh, I have one more question before we get into our Falcons preview. <laughs> Sorry, Dayton. That's all right. So the matchup, similar to Atlanta this Thursday, you know, the Panthers matchup, was one of those games where a lot of Saints fans feared this could be a loss. You know, this is one of our tougher opponents down the stretch. Now, however, the Saints, now that they, you know, they took care of Carolina, we swept them. Are we still worried about Atlanta? What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm not going to sleep on Atlanta at all. First of all, it's a division a division opponent. Second of all, it's still the same talented team that went to the Super Bowl last year. They had some blunders yeah. on offense earlier in the season, but um, yeah, they lost to uh, the Vikings. The Vikings beat us, too. The Vikings have, in my opinion, the best defense in the league. They have... One of, if not the best, wide receiver duo in the league. And they have a quarterback in Case Keenum who's playing lights out. And they have, in my opinion, coach of the year in in, in Mike Zimmer. Um, beat, you know, the Falcons just lost to that team. Uh, and, and they had kind of gotten on a roll. I think they won three in a row. They have the offensive firepower, especially if Marcus Williams and Lattimore are not able to play. To me, that's a concern. And honestly, I love Lattimore. Like I've said a million times, mm-hmm. I think he's the defensive rookie of the year. But in this particular matchup, I think Marcus Williams is the bigger loss if he can't go. I think PJ can can hold it down. I think Sterling Moore can fill in when needed. I think Vaccaro can can come down in the slot a lot. But, you know, Marcus Williams is the only center fielder we have back there on this roster. I think Bush kind of fills in a little bit back there, and Von Bell did okay this week. But um, the Panthers play a very different style of offense. It's not a vertical offense. It's a horizontal. It's a ground-and-pound offense. And the Falcons are a vertical offense. So, uh, you know, coming off of a, a, a late game, you know, even though it's a Sunday, you still we still lost, what, three hours of recovery time. Right. Um, that the that the Falcons actually had three hours may not seem like a lot, but that was a crazy, you know, hard hitting, tough game, and that's just three hours we're not going to get back. It's on the road. Atlanta is fighting like hell to stay in this playoff race. Um, this is not going to be uh, this this should this won't be easy. And if it is, then I'm just going to shut up because I don't know what I'm talking about. No, you're good. <laughs> I love the commentary, dude. No, no, no. I'm saying because I thought this Panther game was going to be a lot closer than it was, and it yeah, proved me wrong, too. but. I'm just, you know, we were at home. This is an away game. It's a short week, um, you know. But the cool thing about it is, what we want is right in front of us, and we just got to go out there and take it. So yeah, 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 I'm not, I'm not brushing off the Falcons at all. That team is is loaded with talent. And here's the thing: as we get in, I'll get into a little bit more about this when we talk about the actual matchup. But the uh, the defense for Atlanta might be a little tougher for us to crack than Carolina. Yeah. And I'll get into it later yeah. when we talk about the yeah, matchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's actually just jump into it right now. Uh, as you mentioned, Charlie, Saints are traveling to Atlanta this Thursday. First Thursday night game for either team this season. First time we're seeing each other in 2017. We are going to see the Falcons two times in the next three weeks, so get used get used to uh, hearing about Atlanta. This Thursday night matchup obviously gives the Saints and Falcons short rest, but the Falcons do have 
three more hours uh, because of the game mm-hmm. scheduling on Sunday, and they also don't have to travel like the Saints do, even though it is a shorter travel. But again, every hour counts when it when is the shorter the week. The Falcons yeah. did lose to the Vikings yesterday, fourteen to nine at home. But this is still going to be a very tough divisional game. Saints, like I said earlier, have a two-game cushion over the Falcons in the NFC South. Both teams very much alive to win that division and get a top-four playoff seed. I just want to get something out of the way before I I dive into some questions for you guys. The fact that Atlanta is a uh, one-point favorite in this game, (laughs) not only does does it baffle me, it it actually kind of makes me a little bit mad. Here's the thing. They are they're, they're 3 and 3 at home. They're not dominant. They've lost to the Bills and the Dolphins at home uh this Dolphins. season. The Dolphins. They lost to the Dolphins 2017. <laughs> Remember that that was that was a pretty yeah. big yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. two teams that we crushed on the road. Yes. By the yes. Way. Yes. Yeah. That we at, we actually took care of business on the road against them. They can't beat them in their own brand new stadium. Okay? Um, and both teams are dome teams. It's not like we're going for, and, and even if you do have a dome, uh, a lot of the teams that, or a lot of the times that can be beneficial for teams from the cold, obviously, but, yeah. but, but that's a whole different story. Both of these teams are dome teams. Saints are used to it being loud in there. Um, and, and, and they're used to it. So I don't think Atlanta has any sort of home field advantage here. Um, I think I that we have the better quarterback, obviously the, the, the stats say so. The all-time history says so. We definitely have a better running game, even with Devontae Freeman being healthy now. I think that overall we have a better – well, I, I might give a nod to, to the Falcons receiving core. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I, I think in a lot – most of the places, especially the secondary, we have a big advantage in. There's no home field advantage. We're two games better than them. We have a better record against um, similar opponents. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. understand how they are – a favorite, a one-point favorite. That doesn't make know. sense to me. Want to get that off my chest before we dive into You're it, good. just because I don't know. I don't know what Vegas is doing. Um, but for you guys, uh, we'll start with we'll start with uh, we'll start with Tyler this time. What okay. do you guys think is the biggest obstacle or obstacles uh, the Saints will need to overcome uh, during this primetime game on Thursday? Mm, I think right now, I, I think the main two things that scare me. I went eh, scare me. I don't know about scaring you know. Uh, I'm sweating a bit. I don't know. Um, one, it's going to be the depth that the Falcons surprisingly have for the wide receivers. Obviously, you've got Julio, but uh, we have Ken Crawley, PJ Williams, and Marshawn Lattimore who have been talking smack and telling them how they've got Julio locked down. So I don't think he'll be an issue. But what I'm more concerned about is Mohamed Sanu and their tight end and all that good stuff. So, uh, I don't know, just right now, their wide receiving core, especially considering you can even use Tevin Coleman and their other running back, you know, out of the backfield too, you know, screens and all that good stuff. And then their secondary, they said that one of their main cornerbacks is going to be back from concussion protocol. I forget his name. Trufant. He's their number one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. One of their better corners. So I would take a look at that. But again, we're right now, we're running at first, throwing it later kind of team right now, or at least for what I've seen. So... I don't know if he'll really give us any uh, issues, but we'll see. How about you, Charlie? Um, well, one quick note, Dayton. I think Vegas. I think Vegas heard you going nuts. I'm uh, <laughs> looking at the lines now. Yeah. The lines have already moved. That's um, what I'm talking about. That's what, what? I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Let's see. Bovada has dilly, it at dilly. at at, uh, at minus one for New Orleans. Okay. Um, a couple other sites have it at minus one zero zero zero. Oh yeah. Uh, and oh, odds, yeah, it did change. Wow. Odd Shark has it at minus four. So, absolutely, I saw, that. 
I saw that today that we yeah. the week opened up as a we were a one point dog, and I'm thinking yeah. it's a divisional game. We're on the road. The home team is going to get a point as a as a lanyard. But um, as far as as what concerns me the most about playing Atlanta is the offense. I mean, mm-hmm. their offense can 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 burn you when they're clicking. It's weird. Ever since uh, Shanahan moved on, and they hired Sarkeesian to take over. Um, the offensive coaching job, their offense hasn't necessarily clicked, and Matt Ryan hasn't been as sharp. I mean, he's definitely not as sharp as he was last year. But um, they still have the talent to tear to, to to tear you apart. I mean, Julio Jones is arguably the best wide receiver in football. Taylor Gabriel is one of the yeah. fastest guys in football. Mohamed Sanu is a do everything kind of guy. Uh, Hooper's not a bad tight end. They have a they had last year they had probably the best running back duo yeah. in the league. And, Devontae Freeman and Devin Coleman. So, and their line is doing um, the Tevin Coleman, and their line yeah. is playing absolutely great. Uh, they're one of the least sacked teams. The Saints are number one, um, and I think Atlanta's it's uh, no worse than the top five. Um, so that offense scares me a little bit, just you know, just because. Mm-hmm. But the Vikings showed that you can uh, you can put together a solid game plan and and hold them to to three field goals. And then and then I wanted to get in a little bit to the defense. The defense for the Panthers on paper is very stout. They have a tough front seven. Yeah, um, they do. And and when I was going, I was thinking, you know, this might be a little tough to run like that on these guys. But you know, again, I was proved wrong. I think Atlanta. What what makes this matchup with Atlanta a little bit different than than with uh, the Panthers? The Panthers have you know the probably the best linebacking core in the NFL. But the Falcons are a fast defense, and they yeah. fly to the ball. They do, and yeah, that, they are. That to me might counteract some of these big plays that we get on the run game uh, and yeah on on the ground, but I think the the way you win you win this game is you just do what works and it's it's bring the running game you're on the road you're away um, uh, bring the running game pound the rock keep that offense off the field yeah and we should win this but this won't be a cakewalk at least I don't think yeah, so. yeah. Vic Beasley and Deion Jones are are. are... Fantastic defenders uh, for Atlanta. Very fast, yeah, versatile defenders. That worries me a little bit. I I, I think the biggest thing that's going to worry me, though, I'm going to piggyback off of both of what you guys said about the Falcons receiving core, and I kind of alluded to that earlier. Um, This this receiving core is is, is fantastic. And even though our our defense, and if Marshawn Lattimore is healthy, our defense is looking really, really good. Uh, Marcus Williams is, you know, always still up in the air. But we 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 have a really talented and consistent secondary but this is the same secondary for the most part obviously minus Devontae Freeman we've seen them get exposed a little bit uh, against uh, granted we had injuries but uh, against Los Angeles uh, we saw it happen against earlier in the season Uh, I I think it still should count when we're talking about the secondary against the Vikings and the Patriots Uh, the the secondary kind of got burned obviously there's should be asterisks next to both of those because this team didn't fully have its footing down and whatnot, and they've played great ever since. But we also haven't gone up against a receiving core this talented as Atlanta and definitely not a receiver like uh, Julio Jones. Like, I I think, Charlie, I I would say that Julio Jones is the best receiver in the NFL, if I had to say. Um, He he definitely should be considered Uh, top three no matter what. AB is good. AB is great, but I don't know. I think Julio Jones, anytime... You have the size like that and the speed like Julio Jones does that combination. I think that he just has the advantage over AB because he's going to be able to get up and get those high balls better yeah, than, better than AB. That, that would be the only advantage I would say. Other than that, I think 
Uh, it's it's A, B, and Julio, 1A, 1B, honestly, besides that size advantage. But, um, yeah, so if, if Lattimore is healthy, I, I'm going to love seeing him go up against Julio, but I'm also scared that there – I mean – Julio Jones doesn't mess around. He he needs to get those yards. Even though he only had two catches last week, he before that what he had like three hundred yards and two touchdowns, three touchdowns. Uh, he had a fantastic game. He's able to bounce back. Uh, Matt Ryan is definitely one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, a lot of people think that he's elite. Uh, I think that he is just a little bit above average. To be completely honest with you, I think that he's good. Uh, he's sixteen touchdowns, eight interceptions. He has a pretty good ratio. He he doesn't turn the ball over too often. Uh, and, and he's definitely good enough to keep Julio Jones looking like a star, and that can happen at any moment. Uh, again, Mohamed Sanu and Taylor Gabriel will also be attracting attention. So we just really need to balance everything out on defense, honestly, um, in terms of uh, how we call blitzes, um, because it's going to be all about the coverage. How are we going to be able to cover these talented receivers and what's going to be happening on the defensive line side uh, in terms of the guys trying to get to uh, Matt Ryan? and force mm-hmm. some bad decisions possibly um yeah i agree so and and again you you guys alluded to it too so that to me it's going to be the secondary against the receiving core matchup um but yeah i think both of these offensive lines are are, are really good uh, our offensive line uh, and the falcons so i'm not sure if you're going to see a lot of sacks this could be a, a very high scoring game but again both teams are coming off some short rest so i don't, yeah. I don't know i don't know what to expect 100 percent honestly just because mm-hmm. of the short week and how up and down atlanta has kind of been this season and the secondary again is fantastic but we haven't faced this amount of talent at least not since earlier yeah. in the season uh so yeah I, I think that that that's the that's the biggest thing to look out for so you guys definitely it's not an easy win i'm just gonna skip that we had that written down is this game an easy win i don't think it's an easy win you i think you guys would agree it's definitely not going to be an easy win um but how much of a challenge is, is this going to be the toughest game of the the saints have this season do you guys think charlie you could take it uh that's remaining in the regular season i say yes for a couple of different reasons number one um it's on the road it, and number two it's on a short week and number three it's atlanta so atlanta this game is the toughest and then after that is going to be the next atlanta game <laughs> although let's not cheat let's not uh sleep on the jets the jets are a lot better yeah. than a lot of people want to give them credit for. But, yeah, absolutely, this is the toughest game remaining on our regular season schedule. Yeah, I agree. I think it's pretty tough. I think right now, even when you have a team like the Falcons that, you know, has been uh, uh, to our surprise, to our enjoyment, uh, inconsistent, again, it's at their territory, so anything can happen. Uh, I want to get back to the Julio segment for a minute. Actually, I actually want to give a quick shout-out to my boy Ryan. I work with him. He's a big uh, Antonio Brown fan. But we actually made this bet. I want to ask you guys for it. I, I made the bet that I believe if Marshawn Lattimore is covering, if he's playing against Julio Jones, that Julio will not have. So basically, I need both of these to not happen to win the money. He he cannot get a touchdown against uh, Marshawn Lattimore, and he cannot uh, get 100 yards. Do you guys think that will happen? Mm, I don't know. And, and th- here's the other thing we don't know. How healthy is Marshawn Lattimore going to be? Yeah. Good point. And is he going to be following Julio Jones? Like, is he going to be shadowing him uh, throughout the whole game? I don't know. I don't know if, and again, the injury could play a part in that. If he's not 100%, but he's able to play, are you going to have him go up against Julio for that entire game? Or do you trust Crawley enough to cover him for some of the plays to take, you know, Lattimore, yeah. so to speak, a rest going up against maybe, you know, Sanu or, or Gabriel, even though that's still going up against a really talented receiver? 
I don't know. I, I honestly can't. I mean, I I obviously want to say no, that he's not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I'm against Lattimore, going up one-on-one against Lattimore for the entire game, I would say Julio Jones doesn't. Even if Lattimore is like 85, 90% healthy, not completely 100%, yeah. um, I would say uh, uh, Julio Jones doesn't get 100 yards or even a touchdown. Uh, but if he's moving around the field a little bit and we play some more zone, I think Jones has a chance to get some big yeah. plays. Don't want to play zone against Julio Jones. No. He will find pockets. Uh, actually, that entire receiving core, really, yes. because Gabriel will kind of push the safeties deep, and uh, Sanu and, 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 and Julio will just sit in the pockets. I, I do not want to play zone against these guys. I want to play a uh, fast rush and and you know try like hell to get to, to Matt Ryan and, and lock these guys up. Here's... Here's the thing on your bet, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, last week or last year when we played them in week three, uh, Ken Crawley was matched up on Julio Jones. And he did Here, great. Here's a stat line. Five targets, one completion, 16 yards. Yeah, he's got his number. So I think uh, that Crawley is probably going to be the guy that matches up against Julio Jones because yeah, he's proven that he can do yeah. it. Um, And also – uh, you'll notice a lot. Some defenses, like the Patriots, do this. For example, at least when they had Darrell Revis and um, oh my God, who was the, I guess it was Malcolm Butler at the time. Uh, basically, the the thought behind it is mm-hmm. you put your number one corner on the number two wide receiver and eliminate him from the game. Yeah, and then yeah, you put your guys. number two corner on the number one with a safety over top. So that would be Crawley on on julio jones with the safety over top it, you know that would be the scenario i guess if Lattimore were to come back i think whether Lattimore is back or not i kind of think this is crawley's type of um he's a little mm-hmm. bit bigger i think than than Lattimore is although yeah, latimer has yeah. got the speed to keep up with julio so i don't know buddy i think if if it comes <laughs> if, if if it is Lattimore versus, versus julio i you know i, I think probably is, he's, he's he's held out of the of the end zone but that's a tough dude to keep out of the end zone. I don't yeah. care who's yeah. Doing. Yeah, that's super tough. Would you? Yeah. So, what what about you, Tyler? How how, how do you think you're gonna lose that bet? Obviously, uh, considering obviously I made, you made the bet. It. No, yeah, obviously I made you made it, it. So I'm pretty hopeful. Yeah. Sometimes people. <laughs> I've made bets before where I'm not like confident. I'm just like, man, no, I'm, I'm confident. To risk this. Yeah. You got to risk it for the biscuit, but yeah, obviously <laughs> you did take the bet, so you're yeah. probably pretty confident in them. Um, <laughs> yeah. As far as this being the toughest game, do you guys think like? What game this season has been tougher than? Because to me, I'm going into this game and I'm saying I think that this is the toughest game we're going to be playing all season. Uh, obviously, the short week plays into effect. Um, the Falcons are, like I said, they're only three and three at home, and, and they're a dome team, so I don't think they have a home field advantage. But everything is controlled, and that's the way the Falcons like it. That's the way the Saints like it as well. But we also haven't been too dominant in our dome, so to speak, this season, other than last week and, and mm-hmm. against Tampa Bay. Um, and the the other toughest game that we had this season, I think, uh, going into it at least, was against New England. But they were still, at that time, they were 0-1 coming off of a loss, and, and we didn't know how, how great they were really going to be. People had their doubts. I think this is the toughest game we're going to have all season. What do you guys think? I think it's the Vikings game. I think that think was the Vikings me. was? Okay. I think the Vikings was. I mean, it's, it's the first week. All the summer hype is over. All the training camp stories don't mean anything. We got Adrian Peterson going back to Minnesota. We got this new look defense that looked a lot better in the preseason. We had all this hope that all this awesomeness was going to happen. 
and then we we go right into a buzzsaw yeah. and get completely spanked <laughs> and sent right back down to Mississippi to New Orleans. And the first thing that pops in everybody's head is, man, we this looks like another seven to nine season. It might be even even worse. Yeah. And just the quality of, of opponent. I think you know the Vikings are one of the best teams in the NFC. I don't think the Falcons are playing like one, although I think they have the talent to be one. So I would say this this Falcons game is up there as far as uh, toughest games on our schedule. But in my opinion, it was that it was that first week Vikings butt whooping we had on Monday Night Football in front of the world. I agree 100%, Charlie. And here's why. You look at right now, I, I think, you know, where, where, where the Saints are playing the Falcons as far as where the team is. And where the Saints played the Vikings, where they were, they've the Vikings have lost a ton already. They've had their main running back go down. Uh, they lost Stephon Diggs for a couple games. Their they quarterback, <laughs> yeah, their quarterback, and they've gotten better. And that's the crazy thing about it, you know. And they just held the Falcons to no touchdowns. And, and I just, I think right now, our t- like, I agree with you. Where I say the Falcons, this game is going to be tough. I don't think it was the toughest, simply because of what the Vikings have been able to achieve going down the stretch. I think if you look back, like, I think if you look back to where we played, we played the Vikings and how they've grown as a team going forward, I think it almost, it's almost like you add more points to say, oh, yeah, we didn't realize it, but that team was actually really tough then, you know? Like, because I think some people probably say, oh, yeah, it was just the Vikings. Well, like, no, this is a very good Vikings team. But this I is think- definitely up there, though. I Absolutely. think that you're right in that both the Vikings have gotten better since they week have. one. It's Every crazy. team has. But you know what? I think the Saints have gotten so much better than we Oh, were. we have. Yeah, we have. And that's like going into this game. I think, you know, Dayton, you talked about the home field advantage. I don't, I'm totally with you. I don't think – I think, yeah, obviously there's going to be more Falcon fans there. But I don't know if you guys caught this online or during the highlights or anything. I was watching during the 1 o'clock slate games because we were the late game. I watched – um, every single play of that Vikings at Atlanta game, and that dome was empty. I oh, could, it always uh, is. So it, it always is. Yeah, yeah. And it's bizarre. It's like here you have this pathetic. team. It's it's absolutely pathetic. I mean that that franchise is just it, it can't get anything right. You know your team is not a bad team. Mm-hmm. You just went to the Super Bowl. You have Julio Jones. You're fighting for the playoff spot. You're playing against arguably the best team, if not one of the best teams in the NFC. And you're not gonna go to the dome and watch the game? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just bizarre. You, Dayton, I'm right there with you, dude. Yeah. Thursday night, you're gonna hear. Oh, I'm telling you, turn the volume up on your TV. If we're winning and we're putting a butt whooping down, you will hear mm-hmm. the Houdat chant. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, because I've I've heard it before, and I I yep. think if we put the spat the smackdown, you're gonna hear it again. That's pathetic. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a tweet. I, I wish I I wish I knew who it was or I favorited it so I could give credit. But I saw a tweet because the SEC championship game was in that same dome on uh, Saturday, and somebody tweeted. They said because that 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 was packed when that SEC packed. championship game was going packed. on. Packed. Somebody said, "Are the Falcons finally taking notes about how to fill a stadium or what?" Because <laughs> that that's how it's been all season. It's so sad. Like I'd be going there as often as I could if I was down in Atlanta or nearby. Like I live the, the closest sports stadium to me is the Moda Center. If they renovated that to anything, anything resembling what that new stadium looks like down in Atlanta, I'd be going there as often as I could. Like, I'd be going there for, for almost every event. So the fact that there people aren't going there for how important it is, like you pointed out, Charlie, sad. It's so sad. Um, I guess that mm-hmm. Super Bowl hangover happens, too, when you lose, when, when you blow a yeah. huge lead. I guess that happens, too, because fans, fans don't 
seem too interested. Okay, last question before we get into mm-hmm. one more break, and then we go into the fan questions for Topic 3, which I'm really excited about. We have a lot of questions to get uh, yeah, for you guys. Yeah, we do. So this is going to be a hearty, uh, long podcast, which is awesome. We haven't had one of those in a while. Um, but who is going to be, in your guys' opinion, we'll start with Charlie. Who is going okay. to be the biggest game changer? You can give me one or, or a couple guys. Biggest game changer in this game, and as a bonus, throw me in the X Factor for this game. Okay. Biggest game changer for the Saints is going to be whoever plays left tackle. The Falcons have a great pass rush. They have Vic Beasley, who's the speed guy off the edge. Don't remind me. Yeah, right? (laughs) They have um, uh, Adrian Claiborne, who got like six sacks in one game versus the Cowboys. Yep. He's he he's good. He's a problem to deal with. Tack McKinley, their first their first overall pick from last mm-hmm. year. He's good. Uh, Grady Jarrett coming up the middle. He's got um you know three four five sacks. Their pass rush is not bad, and uh, Breeze is, is one to to counteract that because of how quick his release is. So the X factor for me is whoever lines up at left tackle. I pray to God that it's Armstead. I love Pete. Love him. Love him. He's a road grader. He's a great left guard, but he's not a natural left tackle in the NFL in this system. He was a great left tackle at Stanford, but for what left tackles are asked to do in the Sean Payton system, that's not it. It's great that he can fill in a pinch, but that's my X factor. Yeah. Um, and then what was the other part of your question? Game changer. No, game... X factor. X factor. Oh, X factor game no, changer. No, X factor was the first game changer. The game changer uh, to me is going to be whoever lines up at, at center field on, on on defense. Whoever whoever plays, if it's Marcus yeah. Williams, I'll feel a lot better. If it's not, then uh, I may not feel so good. So my, those are my two. It's whoever lines up at left tackle and whoever lines up at uh, center field, the deep single high safety. If we run that uh, on defense, Tyler? for me, I think. Um, so the X factor, I think, is going to be Elvin Kamara because I think you know, obviously, Mark Ingram has played. The Falcons a lot. He's had good games. He's had bad games. You know, uh, so right now, uh, if you have to ask me, I'm not sure what we're going to get from Ingram. I know he's very consistent, but at the same time, I don't want to take any chances. So you have a new weapon in Alvin Kamara. The Falcons have not seen him on the field. They've seen tape, but they haven't seen him, what he could do, you know? So I think if I were the Saints, you get the ball to Kamara just about every single time you can, you know, because that guy is a game changer. Well, you know, I mean, game changer, X factor, it's all the same thing. Uh, but you know, I I think right now he'll be he'll be the the icing that puts this cupcake on top and on the Falcons' head when we uh, beat them, hopefully. But um, the game changer, I think, for the Saints is going to be Ken Crawley or whoever plays uh, against Julio, because I think right now, you know, if you could take the way, uh, if you take the way their biggest weapon, that changes the game ultimately. Ultimately, you know, like it, it switches, it, it flips the coin, you know, it, it changes the tides. It, another metaphor, but um, you know, what it's like for the Saints. If you take away Kamara or Ingram or Thomas, you know, what are the Saints to do? Obviously, they could do stuff, but it, it really impacts them. I think for the Falcons right now, they're relying a lot on Julio, and I think if you whoever you know covers him, I think if you plug him up and he's nowhere to be found, you're looking at a Falcons offense that automatically isn't as explosive as it was so those would be my answers how about you um i would go with first of all i love all your guys answers uh <laughs> great, great perspectives on this game and, and how they're going to go uh, my x factor is going to be uh, special teams mainly because i do think that this this game could turn into some sort of chess match so when sean payton decides to punt 
or decides to go for it or decides to try out Lutz to kick a field goal or whatever it may be with special teams decision making and how we execute that I think ultimately that's going to be the x factor especially if this game comes down to which team is going to be able to out coach and and you know get the extra inches in terms of you know field position and whatnot for a team so uh i think that that is going to be the x factor special teams as far as the as far as the game changer i'm actually going to go with brandon coleman oh there you go we we we, and i i think against carolina he had a couple of great blocks uh especially on that i believe it was the 72 yard run by um it was either the 72-yard run by Ingram or the uh, touchdown run by Kamara. Either way, he had great block on that play. And, yeah, he ran down the field. Yeah, and between him and um, uh, Ted Ginn Jr., both of those guys usually show up, uh, A, when we need them, and B, in big plays uh, for the Saints. So look out for uh, Coleman to break away for that. But also, he I think he's our most physical receiver overall from top to bottom uh, on a all, all sides of the field, whatever you ask him to do, he, he's aggressive and physical. And I think that's going to be important against Atlanta. Uh, so so I would say, I think the game changer is going to be Brandon Coleman. He's uh, Hopefully he gets some really good blocks again, like he usually does every game. Open up that running game a little bit, get some big plays down yeah. the field. I think he's one of the more underrated guys on this team. J- j- just because he only shows up in small amounts. We only get to see him in sample size. Um, but <laughs> that's his role on the team, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. So. Um, anything else you guys want to say about this game? Let's let's actually do, duh, of course. We got to do score predictions. Um, yeah. Anything else you guys want to say out. before score predictions? Uh, if not, go ahead and no. drop your score prediction. Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with Charlie. One quick note on uh, availability. So yeah. today on a short week like this, it's it's basically today is just a straight up rest day. Um, right. I think I saw in the the teleconference awesome. today that was with with Sean Payton. Today is a rest day. Um, I don't even really think they're working out. It's just getting treatment, just getting your body ready to play. Um, so they didn't practice today at all. But if mm-hmm. they had to in- release some type of injury report, um, and yeah. so if they did practice, it would have gone as such. Uh, Marcus Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, and Armstead would have been did not participate. Uh, Andres Pete, uh, Trey Hendrickson, PJ Williams, Ken Crawley would have been limited. So. You know, on on a on a Monday, it looks it looks kind of dire as far as health is yeah. concerned. But we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's a short yeah. week. You're not really. This is more of like a a brainy kind of week of practice where you're just you just got to prepare mentally uh, for what's coming at you because you can't you can't expect the guys to go out and and really go 100 percent on these these short weeks. So just one more note, uh, or that was my note on on as far as health. Score prediction: I'm gonna say Saints win this, uh, 31 to 27. I like it. Ooh, Tyler? Good prediction. Um, I'm trying to think here. Do, uh, do, do I want the Falcons to score a lot of points? Obviously not, but are they going to? That's the real question. Um, I'm going to say, let's see, you know what's funny? The Saints haven't really, like, you know, I almost feel like whenever we play the Falcons, it almost comes down to, like, the Saints are a team that, you know, can score a ton of points, but do they is a question all the time, you know? Because it gets hard every single drive to score points. But, um, I'm going to say, what was your prediction, Charlie? 31-27, but I'm kind of having reservations. I'll go with that because I can't think of one. Uh, ditto. Well, the, okay, so if we go back to Vegas, um, right? Viva Las Vegas has yes. it at 53.5, uh, I yeah. think that is. Yeah. 53.5 yeah. points. Yeah. That's kind of a weird. That is weird. That's a weird, that's a weird over-under. You don't see um, that often, no. No, so that's what, like 34-20-ish around there? So yeah, we could yeah. be there. Maybe, maybe something like <laughs> 
I don't know if we're going to beat these guys by two touchdowns. I mean, I would love it to go there and spank them by two touchdowns. But, um, yeah, I think we can put up 30 points on them, and I think they're going to score somewhere in the 20s against us. Yeah. Hopefully. I'm saying I'm going – I'm going a little bit intense here. I'm going Saints win this game 34 to 24. All across the board, I think we're we're a better team. Um we we average the 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 margin of winning difference I guess for us this season. The margin of victory is 7 points better. Um we average more we average more yards on offense, more yards per play. Um we I think we have a better overall personnel that meshes together. Um, I just, I just think that we're, we're, we're the better team overall. And I think that, that we can easily win by, uh, two possessions going again, the short week, I think might end up being the, the doom for us as well. I don't know, because looking at this injury report, like uh, Charlie was just mentioning Williams, Pete Hendrickson, Crawley Armstead, what I'm looking at right now, they're all questionable. And then Charlie, like you said, some of them wouldn't have practiced today. Some of them would have been, uh, uh, limited. That's, that's not fantastic news, but again, oh. like I said earlier, the health of this team is going to be really important. So if we can kick that off, and the great thing about this is, even if we lose to Atlanta, which I really hope doesn't happen, uh, we're still a game ahead of them, and no matter what happens with Carolina, we're still going to be first in the division, even if we're tied with them. So even if we lose to Atlanta, we're still going to be number one in the NFC South, and at the very least, the fourth seed uh, in the NFC overall. And uh, we also have extra days off. We have 10 days off before our next game against the Jets, and then we have redemption against Atlanta at home. Yep. So, you know, no matter how this game goes, the Saints are in good shape, and that's from, obviously, the winning streak and playing really well earlier in the season, but they still need to buckle down, and they can't treat this game as a throwaway, so to speak, or, or like, you know, uh, like, I know I just said it's okay to lose, but they can't look at it like this. That's just mm-hmm. the silver lining I'm looking at, and ju- just in case we end up losing. But I think that we'll win. I think it's going to be 34-24. Saints win by 10. Um, there you go. We're going to take one yeah. more quick break before we get into the yep. third topic, which is answering uh, fan questions. Charlie will be helping us out with that. Um, so this break, again, a minute of ad for you guys, about three seconds of silence for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be right back. And we are back, guys. Did you miss us? I know we did. That's my clever line, my famous line I always like to use. You guys miss us, right? Those three seconds must be killer. You know, well, it is for us because we love talking Saints football. So we're on to our final topic of the night. Uh, I'm sure most of you guys are pretty excited for it. We're answering your fan questions. Yeah, we just wanted to, uh, first off, thank everybody that's missed questions to us, whether that be on Facebook, Twitter. Again, if you don't know how or if you'd like to, Submit questions to us. Uh, stay tuned to the end of the podcast. We'll be giving you our social media, including Charlie, so you can uh, talk to us there. But I've got a couple questions from Twitter, uh, a lot more questions from Facebook. So how this works is I'll just be reading them off to you guys, and our lovely other people on the other side of the mic will be answering them alongside myself. So we've got a couple from Twitter. The first one is from Michael. His uh, handle is at Michael. It goes by M-I-C-H-A-A-E-L-115. He asks, Will Snead be more active within the offense going forward? Whoever wants it, take it. So go ahead, Charlie. I'll say yes as a as a function of necessity. The offense will need him to become more involved. It, it it's showing that his his snap numbers have been increasing week by week. So if you just want to go by what we're seeing as far as trends and what we're seeing as far as needs, I will say yes, Michael. You will see more of Snead because you know going into the playoffs, we'll definitely have the need for Snead. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. And 
again, there there are going to be times when um, Drew Brees needs needs a checkdown, and and if Kamara is getting a lot of attention and and everything is covered downfield, Seed is going to be that other checkdown guy for us. And I think that's going to be really important against teams with a really good pass rush, like Atlanta, uh, like we might see in the playoffs, Philadelphia or Minnesota again. So Seed is going to be really important. I think not 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 just for that reason, but I think that's going to be the most important thing for him is being that extra safety net for Breeze against you know good pass rushing and when he doesn't have a lot of time in the pocket and obviously Snead has speed to uh get down the field as well for to bust open big plays and uh, you know if guys like Ted Ginn and Michael Thomas aren't doing that for us and Snead is able to step up e- even better for us so yes I-, I I would agree with Charlie I would agree with both of you guys too uh need for Snead I-, I love that saying but I love Willie Snead even more you know he's uh when he's effective He's amazing in this offense, so I would agree with you guys. And the uh, final question we have on Twitter is from uh, at Deshaun, D-E-S-E-A-N, I think that's how you say it, Deshaun Balling Axe. Will defensive end L.K. Muhammad or cornerback Arthur Mullet be active against the Falcons? Mm, um, probably not, unless, unless like we have some sort of crazy injury that injury bug on the team that you know keeps them keeps some players out of the game that are listed questionable now other than that i don't they haven't been activating uh muhammad all season uh and mullet was only activated what two weeks ago against the rams or was it last week against the yeah it was last week too because he tweeted about it gotcha 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 so yeah these past two weeks so but but if if Lattimore is back, Crawley's healthy, uh, I we probably won't be expecting to see either of those guys. Unfortunately, I really want to see Muhammad in action. I really do, but Me I don't too. think he'll be active. Everyone does. Yeah. yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I don't think either one of them are active if we're fully healthy. If we're not, I can see Mullet being uh, active because he is a contributor on special teams when he is active. Uh, I can see that for sure. But uh, Muhammad, there's. Something there that we're not seeing as far as, you know, maybe his assignments. I think raw ability is there, but, um, you know, he's a guy that missed football in college. And uh, I think he's just sort of a project player that through through time is going to is going to work his way into being an effective pass rusher. But he's just not there yet. And and he'll play out of necessity. But, um, you know, that that's my thoughts on him. I'm definitely excited to see what that dude's going to do going forward, though. Yeah, I think next year, uh, hopefully, they, they start making uh, Muhammad active. Maybe even Mullet, too, you know, if he makes a lot of progress um, over the offseason. But, yeah, I don't think uh, they're going to activate either one of those guys. Um, I, I wish they did, though. You know, I, I'm a big fan of both of them. So, uh, we've got a lot of Facebook questions. I'll start for the first one. Uh, it's from Philip Walker. Thank you, Philip. He goes, uh, he says, what is the number one thing the Saints need to improve on to win the Super Bowl this year? Third down uh, efficiency on offense. This last week we did – we were pretty good. I think, Dayton, you, you read, read off the stats. I don't remember exactly what our third down numbers were. Six, but it, six of 15. Six of 15. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're getting better, but we're not there right. yet. We're not, we're not yeah. where we need to be to win the Super Bowl. And as a lanyap, I'll throw in special teams. Our special teams are just not – they're not uh, – they're the weakest link out of the three. Yeah. Their three pieces. Will Lutz is still missing random field goals. Um, our coverage unit is is okay, but we can't. We don't. We're not good at returning uh, kicks or punts. Um, and and but the bright spot is uh, Thomas Moore said continues to be the best punter in the game. Yeah. So th- th- that's it. Third down efficiency and gotta gotta be able to make plays on special teams. Yeah, I was gonna just, gonna say special teams as well. And yeah, third down conversion. 
if we get that number over 50% for a majority of the games uh, uh, the rest of the way of the season, uh, then we'll be in a lot better shape than, than we have been uh, offensively. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say special teams is definitely the weakest link for us. Yeah. Um, I, it's funny. I'm surprised you guys didn't mention this. I would I wouldn't say it's, like, the weakest link, but I think going forward it would only help the Saints even further if they were to perfect this or at least hold it to a minimum, the penalties. You know, we've seen mm. some games here where it's really, really cost us a lot of yards or, you know, it really helps the opposing team finish their drive. Or, you know, like, it, it, it's a difference between forcing uh, your opponent to punt or giving them another first down that to, to give them points, you know. So I think, obviously, you know, we have good games, we have bad games with it. I would love to see more good games. The next one we have is from Sandra Campbell. Uh, I think she's asked us questions before. Thank you, Sandra. So she asks, will Willie Snead get more touches? But we, because we basically answered that, I'm going to rephrase it for her. I'm going to say, I'll ask you guys this. How many touches do you think he will get against the Falcons this Thursday? I say he gets like two or three. We're t- Willie Snead, right? Yeah, Willie yeah, Snead. Yeah, I'd say he, he, he'll he probably get two or three catches. Um, I don't think we'll run any other plays for him other than trying to get him the ball in the passing game. Not sure if we'll, we'll run any sweeps or anything like that could could run a wide receiver screen with him use his speed you know the, the saints are always That'd good nice. at that because now that he's back in shape he's probably back to at least his full capability so uh but uh, yeah probably two or three touches on the ball honestly not too many yeah i'm right there with you dean two or three maybe four if we get into some third and medium third and long situations where we need someone to grind that first down out might be him right. um right. Yeah. but i'm right there with you i'm gonna say like yeah i agree with you guys he's not gonna be one of those receivers that's gonna get like 10, 12 receptions in a game. That's not really seen right now. So we've got a lot of questions from two more guys. We've got our good buddy Ev, and then we've got another guy named Scott Corville. Um, so the first one uh, right now is so this one is actually going to be a, a bit long one. But so basically, so Scott asks. Uh, actually, I pulled up this so I can actually help you guys here because again, you know, you guys don't know these questions before going into it. But uh, Scott asked for his first question. With so many star guys after this year being either a free agent free agent or a restricted free agent, who will they re-sign and who won't get re-signed? So I actually I pulled up a website before before the podcast started. You've got, of course, Drew Brees. I'll, I'll mention the main ones. Drew Brees, Kevin Vicaro, Okafor, Calamete. You have the backup, Chase Daniel. You have Sterling Moore, a valuable piece of this defense. Raphael Bush. You have... Michael Motti, who's pretty important, depending on where you look. But those are the main guys. What do you guys think? Who they Man, keep and who they don't. I really hope we keep uh, Okafor. I really hope we do. Obviously, Drew Brees, too. But that's a whole other – that's that that's that's just yeah. a crazy conversation to have on our own. Like, Charlie said it perfectly at the beginning of the show. That throw he had to Thomas was a $30 million throw. He, he, he proved to us why he deserves that big payday. Um, if we have yeah. the – I mean, we're going to have to make the cap room to make it work. I'm totally on board with it for keeping Breeze. If he's wanting to take a pay cut, even better. But, uh, you know, Vaccaro and Okafor are really important. If I had to choose between the two, honestly, I might go. If we're just talking talent, contract away, I might go. I I, I would honestly rather have Vaccaro. But uh, I think that Okafor is going to have the better contract for us. So if that's the case, then definitely uh, Okafor save us some cash, and we're still getting a fantastic player. Um, Other than that, I mean, Mati, Moore, and even Bush – are pretty expendable. Yeah. I, I, I'm hoping that we hold on to Bush though, because he's been a, a not at least a, a big part, but he, he he's been a he's been a 
somewhat important piece for this team. For the past few seasons, he's jumped around to other teams, uh, Lions, and I think he was on the Falcons practice squad for a little bit. But he's thrived yeah. um, the most in New Orleans, at least. So uh, I'm hoping that we – so I would say Bush, uh, Okafor, and Breeze would be my top three guys that, that I think that we, we yeah. really need to keep, honestly. I'm going to say Breeze, absolutely. I don't think he goes anywhere. Um, Okafor, I think fortunately for us, but unfortunately for his wallet, I think that torn Achilles is going to push his price tag down a little bit. His contract, like you said, Dayton, will probably be a little bit more team-friendly than it would have been had he not uh, gotten hurt and continued his production. Um, And Kenny Vaccaro, next to – Cam Jordan is the lifeblood of the defense. He, I agree. He, you know, I, I think those guys, in my opinion, are all must signs. But I'm going to say Senio Calamente is a guy that we absolutely need to work out a contract that works for both him and the Saints because his versatility as a backup is unreal. He's backed up at center. He's backing up right now at left guard. He's backed up at right guard. He's filled in at right tackle. The guy, I think, even dating back last year or so, He's even gotten some snaps at left tackle. The guy is a jack of all trades. He's he's the kind of dude you need, you know, as a as a swing, as a swing lineman. Those are the, my four musts. We must find ways to re-sign those guys. And like I do, I do agree. Uh, like Dayton was saying about Bush, because we run so much big nickel or three safety sets. I think having the depth at safety is is critical because if one of the you know, Marcus Williams, Kenny Vaccaro, Von Bell. And um, Rafael Bush, those are our four safeties. We run we run a lot of three safety sets. If one of those guys goes down, then we have three safeties. If two of those guys go down, then we have two safeties with you know a backup like uh, Chris Banjo coming in mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Where I think the safety depth is is important just because of the style of defense that we run. Now that might all that might change our philosophy might change going forward depending on how our linebacking core can mature. If Anzalone can come back and be the beast that I really think that he is, is going to be, um, you know, that'd be something that you know, be a fun topic to talk about maybe in the yeah. off season. But, uh, you know, if our linebacking core can, can get a little better, if AJ Klein can keep, can, can take the step forward, if we can get an actual Sam backer so that AJ Klein can take the full on Mike role. Um, I do think Bush is, is someone that we really should figure out a way. And honestly, his contract's not going to, it's not going to be that mm-hmm. much. So let's be honest here. Yeah. He might, we might even get him back on a one year vet minimum type deal. Yeah. Um, or, you know, uh, as far as franchise candidates, I wouldn't mind franchising Kenny. Uh, if we That'd be nice. mm-hmm. you know, but the other guy, Maudie, I love Maudie, man. He's, his dad played for the saints. He's a new Orleans dude. You know, he, I don't know if you guys saw, he, he fought back. He, he has uh, ulcerative colitis. Yeah. He uh, got surgery. At one point in the middle of last season, he was down to 200 pounds playing linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. That's really small, you know, for him to get back and beef back up into the 230s to come back. You know, I love him, but, you know, that's another guy that we could sign back for, you know, probably a vet minimum deal. So I think, you know, our big name guys that, that are up for contracts, I think there's a way we can get them all back. I agree. Yeah. And- if there's somehow, uh, if there's a way somehow that we lose uh, Okafor, uh, a rhetorical question for you guys: uh, Can Sion Kilmete play defensive end? Uh, <laughs> no, but maybe Taysom Hill can. Yes. Oh yeah. There right? you go. Oh my God. You I can like do that. it all. Taysom Hill. There you go. He's two. He's like two thirty. Yeah. Put like put nope. fifteen. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, but put fifteen yeah. pounds of muscle on that dude and watch He'll him. Be good run. to go. You saw he came around the edge on that punt. 
Yeah. Besides yeah. his <laughs> besides the number he's wearing, he'd fit right in. Like uh, he yeah. gained some more pounds. But that seven was just so glaring. <laughs> Seeing him on the special team. That was hilarious. <laughs> Making yeah. tackles. Do uh, do everything but quarterback. He'll be our yep. guy that does every position except for quarterback. But um I think I think we should retain everybody. I think you know, I think if you're Sean Payton, you you know how valuable every single player, especially the ones that are you know, that leave if you don't resign are to this team. You know, if you take away Drew Brees, Kenny Vaccaro, Okafor, Kalamate, Chase Daniel even, Sterling Moore, you know, this greatly hinders the team. So I think you do whatever it takes, you know, uh, you know, just spread the money out, do whatever it takes, because right now, you know, if we if we don't make it to the Super Bowl this year, it's always next year, and that means you need to retain everybody. So the next one I've got from Scott is going to be actually a quarterback question. Here we go. With all three of our quarterbacks being free agents after this season, which quarterback or quarterbacks get resigned and who gets the boot? Quarterbacks? Mm. Yeah. With a quarters. Um, yeah, Q. Do you? Ooh. Man, I don't know. I mean, I, we might even. I, 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 feel we, I think we, we need everybody. Yeah. I think all three of them. I think all three of them come back, you know, and here's why Drew Brees is going to retire a Saint, uh, number one. Number two, Chase Daniel is the. Is, yes. Is the quintessential backup yes. quarterback like yeah. best backup? You, you need you need a certain kind of guy. I don't think a lot of people really realize what the role of a backup quarterback is. He's not just the guy who's waiting there. God forbid if something happens to the starting quarterback, you need your back. Yeah, the backup needs to be able to go in there and 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 hold the fort down until you get your starter back. Um, but yeah. your backup quarterback, you know, in this in this situation where our backup quarterback is not a young rookie like or, or a young backup like up in uh, in Green Bay, our backup quarterback, the way Peyton has kind of done things is the backup quarterback is the guy in the quarterback meetings. He's the guy with the headset on. He's the guy talking to Breeze and you know giving him an extra set of eyes when they open up those you know Microsoft Surface pad things on the mm-hmm. sidelines. It it takes a certain kind of certain kind of guy to be the backup quarterback, especially to someone like Drew Brees on Sean Payton's team, there's a certain personality. And, and a lot of smart NFL people, um, the, the the word on Chase Daniel is, you know, yeah, he wasn't a, a Pro Bowl quarterback or whatever, but he's a great backup, and he's, and he's definitely a future coach. A lot of coaches in the NFL were backup quarterbacks. Sean Payton played quarterback. Um, Jason Garrett was a backup quarterback to to Troy Aikman, and and uh, and Chase Daniel fits that role. And you know, there's this weird love fest with Taysom Hill. I'm right there. I'm on the Taysom Hill uh, uh, bandwagon right now. So Thanks. I kind of think, you know, unless if one of these, unless there's somebody in the draft that we are absolutely in love with who falls to us somehow. Although I think we'll be drafting late enough in the first round where quarterback's not, you know, really going to be probably the best player available for us. Um, I do think all three guys will be back. Yeah, I agree. I think right now, um, I think right now when you look at what the Saints need, you know, to succeed going forward, I think obviously you need Drew because he's obviously your best quarterback uh, right now on the roster, and he has the knowledge and the ability to train, you know, to mentor other quarterbacks. I think Chase Daniel, like we said, if Drew ever goes down, he's one of those guys that could plug in, you know, uh, depending on how many games, hopefully in a long period of time. But, you know, he, he could get the job done. I think he could get it uh, done better than Luke McCown did, you know, for the Saints. Uh, for example, one game that comes to mind, Carolina game last year, or a couple years ago, whenever Drew went out and we needed McCown, at the very end of the game, we could have won it, but McCown threw an interception when he was uh, trying to get Cooks in the end zone. I think if you have Chase Daniel, 
I think he makes that throw. But then again, you need Brandon Cooks to make a little more of an effort. This just may be a little biased to Cooks, but um, <laughs> I think we keep all of our quarterbacks. Um, uh, let me. I'm gonna switch this. Uh, we have another quarterback question too by Scott. Well, this uh, basically because we're talking about quarterbacks, I figure I mention it. Well, the Saints drafted quarterback in the 2018 NFL draft. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think Charlie said it perfectly. We're probably going to be drafting too late to get like a uh, a bona fide future star, so to speak, quarterback uh, in the draft. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I don't know if we're going to focus our attention on that. It all depends on what happens with Breeze. And I think even if whether or not Breeze stays or goes, I don't think the answer to replacing him so to speak is through the draft i think it's it, we're gonna try and sign somebody or even have maybe daniel like like worst case scenario i think that Peyton would rather have a veteran guy in that spot than a a, a rookie um yeah yeah so you know i would say at this moment probably not we won't draft mainly because like i said and like charlie said the great quarterbacks are going to be gone by the time and uh unless we decide to trade up i don't see us drafting a quarterback in this draft um, like maybe like a fourth or fifth rounder, just yeah, kind of out of the way, thing. maybe kind of like how we get with Garrett, Garrett Grayson in the third round, just to see what would happen with him. But, uh, haven't found too much success. Uh, the, the saints have with, with drafting quarterbacks recently because we've had breeze and we haven't had to. So, um, yeah, no, I don't see it happening unless it's very late in the rounds. Yeah. Agree. I mean, I wouldn't mind us taking one in, in towards, right. towards right. the end. If, if we have one that we really like and he's on our board and he's there, I'd like, I'd like to take him. I mean, Teams draft like the Patriots. They've drafted quarterbacks and have turned those backups into assets and have gotten compensation from them. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, you know, you just gotta you just gotta play your board right. Which I think this uh, the Jeff Ireland led uh, scouting department and talent evaluation is is you know I, I trust them and our board. I mean, look what they've done the last two drafts. So I think if there's someone there that we like that's late enough. Uh, we'll take them just because you know Breeze is not going to play forever, and who knows if Taysom Hills, gonna, <laughs> yeah. if he's going to be the guy. Um, and you know, so yeah, I don't think so. But you know, depends on how the board falls. I don't think we'll take one high. I don't think we take one in the first three rounds. Yeah, I agree too. I think you know, again, if there's a quarterback they like, he's there. They pull the trigger. You know, Sean Payne almost took Patrick Mahomes, so there's that. But I think right now, if they really are that big on Taysom Hill. Again, you know, they did make the move to take him from Green Bay, so there's that. You know, they have interest there. If he's a quarterback of the future, you know, he's 27 right now, why worry about taking one of the drafting? You know, just stick with him. But those were the last of the questions from Scott. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate all those. Last but not least, we have some amazing questions from our good buddy Ev. And you know pretty well, we had him on. um, He was uh, last week on Periscope. He was in our chat a bit. Or a couple weeks ago. But he, he asked a bunch of questions, as always. So thank you, Web. Shout out to you, man. The first question he has is, how much will the organization have to pay Dennis Allen and his assistants to, to stay on the team? What do you think, Dan? Yeah. Um, when is his uh, – I want to I I check. When is his contract up? Because that's the thing. We don't talk a lot about – I don't know. Obviously, yeah, mainstream media isn't going to talk a lot about um, – contracts for the coaches and whatnot but and you know their impact on the game but these guys are really important to this team and and, and i'm glad we get the chance to talk about um uh, coordinators and whatnot on this podcast because i think that they are, are are really important to us uh i believe it looks like he is a uh free agent after this season um oh, come on. <laughs> i'm not 100 sure there, there's not really too many uh, details about it but well how much should we pay him do you think how much uh, do you think he's worth 
Uh, he, I, I think he's worth uh, whatever the top coordinator money is and whatever that may yeah. be. I think it's like three, four million per year, maybe even a little bit less than that for for these top end coordinators. He could win coordinator of the year. Uh, I don't know if it was Charlie or somebody else said it on the show uh, earlier. Uh, not 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 today, but in an earlier podcast. I think that he's mm-hmm. he could be coordinator of the year. Some people are going to want him to be their head coach as well because you know he obviously has experience with the Raiders and now he's building up his resume even more with the Saints. We need we need to pay him top coordinator money. Whatever he asks for, give it to him because I I, I think that he's a very quintessential part of this team. Yeah, what do you think, Charlie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely, right there. He's he's uh, orchestrated one of the best uh, defensive turnarounds from any team this season, yes. and uh, you know, I, I, he doesn't strike me as a guy who's like you know, demands going to demand a lot of money and, right. or else I'm going to leave. I do think, though, that um, there are there there probably is going to be a, a situation where at the end of the season, his phone's going to start to ring for interviews. Maybe, and yeah. I think uh, and I think Sean Payton is going to let him let him go do it like he let him go do it last time. He was uh, uh, Sean or Dennis Allen was our in our Super Bowl year. He was the defensive backs coach mm-hmm. and um, went on to be the defensive coordinator for the Broncos, which got him his head coaching job in uh, Oakland. So I think, you know, whatever whatever he asked for, we should pay him. We should definitely try to try to keep him around to keep the system going. But, um, you know, if if he's got an opportunity to be a head coach, you know, there's going to be quite a few head coaching jobs uh, yeah. open up open up this year. Um, and what? I think he's going to have a very good opportunity at, at getting at getting a look at one of those and you know if he does if he does if he does take it and go on um, I'm confident that our linebacker coach um, can step up and be the head, be, be the defensive coach one head yeah. coaching job Mike opened Nol- up today too uh, with Ben McAdoo being fired over in New right. York so McAdoo 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 his key yeah, card was turned off too. I hate that <laughs> oh man oh man what a joke what, yeah. about, what do you think uh, Tyler um, I don't know. I think, you know, obviously he's important right now. I don't think unless you get some, you know, superstar defensive coordinator that can replicate what he's doing right now with this team, I think it's more than just the talent we have. I think obviously it's, you know, we gave him time. We didn't just fire this defensive coordinator and he's actually making it work. So I think you pay him hopefully not incredibly enough, you know, where you're burning holes in your pockets, but you give the man what he needs, you know, uh, you make his grandchildren happy, that kind of money, you know. And but the next question I've got for you guys, we'll start with Charlie. Why is the linebacker position always such a weakness for the Saints? It's a weakness for the Saints because we don't grow the linebacking position organically. Meaning we don't draft linebackers and coach them into being great linebackers. I mean, look at our our starting three linebackers right now: Manti Teo, AJ Klein. Craig Robertson. All three are free agent mm-hmm. acquisitions. I think Anzalone it could could be the start of a new uh, chapter in our linebacking core. But um, I mean, even when we won the Super Bowl, the quarterback of defense was was Jonathan Vilma. And I think I, I think um, that has more so to do with who was running the front office and who was who was coaching the linebackers. Yep. Joe Vitt wasn't known for getting young linebackers coached up. I mean. You know, I always, I always kind of, when it came to um, Stephon Anthony, I always used to be like, well, you know, I don't know if it's, if it's so much if it's him, or if it's the coaching staff yeah. not being able to put yeah. him in a position to win. It seems like, you know, he's bounced around. I think he went to the, the, the 
Dolphins, right? And yeah, he Dolphins. To, like he's on the Eagles. And he's, and he's just getting a couple couple snaps on special teams. And and so I think the problem with the linebacking core has been a combination of coaching, uh, the coaching staff, uh, which was addressed by Sean Payton in the offseason, and also the front office. And also the way our, our boards have kind of fallen. Um, we, you know, that we, the, this last draft pick 32, we had, st- um, Ruben Foster on the phone saying, congratulations, you're going to be a saint. Oh, no. And what happens? John Lynch jumps ahead of us at 31 and, dra- and drafts him. So, uh, I do think there's a new chapter coming around for the linebacking core where an Anzalone can be a, a big part of that as a weak side linebacker going forward. He, you know, he, the concern with him at Florida and then also coming into the NFL is his injury history. So, um, to answer the question, it's a combination of coaching and uh, and scouting. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, because our our best linebacker, uh, our, well, I, I shouldn't say ever, but at least in the past decade or so, uh, Jonathan yeah. Vilma was a was a free agent yeah. acquisition from uh, New York. I think even Scott Shanley and Scott Fujita, Fujita, who were also on that Super Bowl winning team, both of those guys were also free agent acquisitions as well. I think I don't think we drafted either of those guys. No, both of them came from the Cowboys. Both. Of, that's right. That's those right. Those were that's Cowboys right. guys that came over with Peyton. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So yeah, that, that's that's a really good point. And yeah, Anthony Stefan Anthony was a dud. Tried fixing mm-hmm. that. Anzalone could be you know one of those those rare occurrences where we actually do draft a guy. But yeah, uh, right with Charlie, man. We 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 just don't groom the linebackers, so we always have to you know end up trying to replace them. Uh, come because you know you look at even people in teams in our division. Panthers were able to build their linebacker core through the draft with uh, Keekley and Davis and uh, Deion Jordan, Vic Beasley for the um, for the Falcons. And even when they had Sean Witherspoon, no Sean Witherspoon was a free agent acquisition. But anyway, the you know teams in our division are also able to um, groom and draft linebackers a lot better than we are. So uh, even the Bucks, the Bucks have the a Bucks, stellar true. linebacking core. Yeah. Kendall Juan Alexander, yep. Juan Alexander, and um, Levante David. Yeah, yeah I was gonna mention great, David. Yep. that's yeah. a great linebacking core. And I was, I was gonna say too. When you look at it, I think right now, I, I think, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I take a grain of salt when I say this. The Saints linebacking core, especially with the assistance, everyone we've hired, you know, Jeff Ireland, everything, all of that. I think we've seen the worst, at least of this decade, uh, of the linebacking core. Obviously, you know, you have Anceloni came in, you have Klein who's coming in. Ateo, who's been pretty helpful, they're slowly gaining pieces. Sure, it hasn't been, like, immediate uh, stardom, you know, right away, but, you know, it's been efficient. Now, obviously, we will say that this linebacking core is, unfortunately, the weakest part of the defense, but the defense is playing so good right now, you don't need great linebackers to get the job done. I mean, sure, it helps, but I think it's going to get better over time, but and then well, back said, to um, Dennis Allen. I mean, yeah. Dennis Allen has schemed this defense to sort of exactly. cover up those shortcomings Boom. by running a lot of big nickel. Um, Manti Teo is our mic in early downs and rundowns, who, in my opinion, is filled in very nicely in that role. Um, yeah. And then you have Klein, who kicks over to the mic in these nickel packages, and Craig Robertson's the full-time will. So, again, back to Dennis Allen. He knows that the weakest link in this defense is linebacker, and he's able to scheme it to, to sort of mask that. Yeah, I agree. But like I said with you guys, so I agree where, um, you know, the coaching and the duds that we keep on getting. But on to the next one. We've got who wants to take this first. Let me know. The Saints are 0-2, obviously, against uh, NFC division leaders, you know, the Vikings, the Rams. Does this team have any chance of winning more games than the Vikings and the Rams to avoid tiebreakers when it comes to the playoffs? Vikings, no. I think the Rams... 
I think that the Seahawks have a chance to um, defeat the Rams come December, which is a game my, my dad will be at. So uh, that that's going to be a huge game come towards the end of December in Seattle. Um, and the the Vikings are just way, way, way too hot on a roll right now. And, and we're a lot closer to the Rams as well. So I think it'll be easier for us to catch them. And I think um, – Say or uh, I I, I must have just said St. Louis, Los Angeles. Um, yeah, I I think that uh, Los Angeles is probably going to lose a couple more games, one more game maybe than uh, Minnesota. Well, if Minnesota ends up losing any, they could just win the rest of the season. That's how good they're playing. So yeah, I I yeah. I'd, I'd say I'd say LA. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Of yeah, those two, it's it's LA. I mean, the Eagles are let's see the eagles just lost to seattle and they're yeah. staying on the west coast this week because they play at los angeles rams yeah. so that'll be one um to definitely watch this weekend i think if if you're going to compare it would be the rams um you know i in all honesty uh to the to the questioner i i really um i i would love to get that first round by but I don't know if it's going to happen just because of the strength of the NFC. And so holding on to the division, taking care of business against the Falcons um, is really should be the goal. And then if we get a first round by, that's just an, you know, cherry on top. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think, you know, if we catch one, one team, it'll be the Rams, you know, cause they have to put the Eagles, a bunch of other teams, you know, but we'll see what happens. You know, I obviously, you know, the Saints will be making the playoffs, hopefully, so I, I think for me, you know, I, I don't I don't even think that it's as important as it is to catch the Rams for the Vikings as it is to be consistent for the rest of the season and make sure everything goes right so you prepare for the playoffs. You know, because I, although a first round bye is very helpful, if your team's good enough, you don't need it. You know, obviously it helps, but you know the Saints right now are playing very good football and they have a chance of taking this all the way, you know, with or without the first round by. So, yeah, uh, here's another one for you guys about the Rams and Vikings, actually. If the Saints had to play the Rams or the Vikings again, do you guys think they could win? Yeah. Yeah, I think we could. Um, if we were to get them, either of them at home, I think we could. Obviously, the harder of the two is are the Vikings just because of the matchup that they present against us. I think the Rams game was a was a function of of the Rams having a very good game plan, but the Saints played just a horrible game. I mean, all around we yeah. didn't play very well. I thought we left a lot of points on the field, and also we didn't have Ken Crawley and uh, Marshawn Lattimore. So I think having a healthier team, I do think that the Rams are beatable. I think the Eagles are beatable, and I do I don't think the Vikings are invincible, but I think they're the toughest. I think I think the Vikings are the best team in the NFC right now. And then um, the, the team that no one else is talking about is is the Seahawks. Yeah, they've yeah. lost a couple keys on defense, but that's a team that's been there. They've done that. They have champions on that team, and they have Russell Wilson at quarterback, who, in my opinion, should probably be the MVP of the NFL right now. Yeah. Yep. What were you dating? I don't know. I don't know if we'd be able to beat Minnesota, to be honest with you. I just think um, you, the, the the individual talent alone on that team uh, is fantastic. You got Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, keeping that secondary in lock. Uh, even, you know, Trey Waynes uh, is playing really well this season. Great, fantastic front seven led by uh, Everson Griffin. Um, I, I don't know. I, that, that, that defense, I think, would, would at, at the very least give us a lot of troubles. I think it'll be a lot more clear um, how we'd play against them after this Thursday against Atlanta to kind of compare and contrast um, against, yeah. you know, common opponents and whatnot. 
Uh, I do think that we'd be able to beat Los Angeles. I think that they are are, are more than vulnerable, uh, and they're also a very young team, uh, as are we. Uh, so they're you know prone to mistakes just as much as we are. The the Vikings are a little bit more buttoned up than we are. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be really really tough to beat Minnesota. Um, but ask me again after Thursday, and and, and we'll see how that goes okay. because I, I kind of want to see how we perform against Atlanta before uh, jumping to a conclusion on that. But Los Angeles, definitely, for sure, I think I think we'd be able to beat. It's funny. I was scrolling on Twitter um, before. Uh, uh, I, I was just scrolling on Twitter during this while you guys were talking just to check some news and stuff. And apparently the Saints signed to tackle uh, Justin Murray uh, he, uh, to the practice squad. So that's something to keep an eye on. I don't know what the tackles and everything. But uh, the last question we have – oh, my answer. Um – uh, yeah, we could be uh, we can beat LA, and it might be close with Minnesota. But I'd say no. The last question I'll have you go first, Dayton. Does the inconsistent por- uh, performance of any other receiver not named Michael Thomas or Elvin Kamara worry you versus a team with a good to great secondary? What do you think? Um, honestly, no. I mean, uh, so Ted Ginn Jr. didn't do too much last game. Willie Sneed, obviously. Uh, didn't do also didn't do too much, but he did more than 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 he's done for most of the season. Uh, and we were able to win uh, as long as Kamara, Ingram, and Thomas get their touches. I think we're fine again. Brandon Coleman does uh, more things than just catch the football. He's aggressive and can block. Ted Ginn Jr. is fantastic as a decoy for that jet sweep that got Kamara that touchdown. Uh, and I think one of these times we're, we're going to hand it right off to Ginn and he's going to get a really big gain, uh, fooling those defenses. So, you know, those guys can do more than just, uh, you know, catch the football. So, you know, even if they, even if they're not playing top level for their role, uh, as a wide receiver, they do other things for this team that, that help us out. And so as long as Kamara Ingram and Thomas are getting their touches, I, and even if Thomas isn't getting his touches, we've seen, uh, Ingram Kamara lead this offense with Breeze, yep. uh, and this offensive line is good enough for us to be more versatile than I think people thought going into the season. Uh, so yeah, we don't have to rely so much onto our receivers. So I would say, I would say we we wouldn't be in that much trouble if that happened. What about you, Charlie? So <clears throat> would we be in trouble if Michael if uh, receivers Michael not named Thomas? Yeah, or uh, Kamara worry. So basically, if they're like you know if they're not existent. Like, if they're inconsistent, non-existent, they're not a factor well, in the game. Last last week when we talked, I kind of I talked about this a little bit in that so far, I mean, this during the run we've been on, our offense has been week by week increasingly gone through Alvin Kamara. And yeah. if we match against someone who comes up with a game plan to – I don't think he's the kind of player you can completely shut down – but I do think he's the kind of player that you might be able to slow down if you have the talent to match up with him and the uh, the scheme to make it happen. So I would probably get a little worried. I mean, if if uh, if he was slowed, if he was slowed down, uh, Michael Thomas is he's a strong receiver. I mean, he's not a burner or anything like that. But he's the kind of guy who's going to get open and and, and make his catches. Um, but yeah, I mean, if something were to happen, those guys were to slow down. I'm not confident enough in the other wide receivers being able to step up and, and move the offense. Um, now, we kind of saw a little bit of that in the two-minute drill, or well, was the extended two-minute drill, the four-minute drill, really, versus the Redskins, where we needed to move the ball down the field. 
and it, it was really Breeze was 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 slicing him up with Ginn and Fleener. Well, Fleener's no longer here. We don't really have a legitimate pass catching tight end. Yeah, I you know I I do I do have a little bit of worry there. Um, you know, but our offense, like Dayton was saying, our offensive line is strong, and uh, and uh, you know Mark Ingram is a is a great back. He's top five in rushing. You know, everyone talks about Kamara. We love Kamara, um, but Mark Ingram's you know top five as far as yards are concerned. Um, so I, you know, I have faith in those guys, but a little bit, I mean, if something happens and, and, and Thomas and Kamara aren't able to produce at the level we're used to, I'd probably get a little worried. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I think, I think it would come down to who ultimately gets shut down and who we're playing. But I think hopefully, you know, the Saints offense has, has gone through a lot of different players, a lot of different, you know, attributes. I think with Sean Payne, they can make it work. But, yeah, that was the last question we had. We just wanted to thank everybody who sent questions in. We wanted to thank Ev, Scott, Sandra, Philip, Michael, Deshaun. Thank you guys so much for sending questions. If you guys want to send in questions, yeah, just uh, tune in for a bit. We'll pull away our social media. So Yeah, this was this was a fantastic podcast, our longest yeah. episode ever. Uh, yeah. I guess so to mark ooh, that. To mark that uh, quarter century mark, like like Charlie yeah, alluded to at the beginning, this is it, guys. This, this was uh, this was a special thing. It's the longest podcast episode we've ever recorded. Um, Charlie, thank you so much for joining the show, man. Uh, we loved having you on. Always a pleasure, man. If, if we have another opening um, at all the season, uh, you will yeah. be on speed dial uh, to come onto the show. Plug away at uh, your social media. I know you plugged away last week. Go and plug away again yeah. for the people to follow you. Yeah, thanks guys. I, I love coming on with you guys and talking Saints football. Um, yeah, and it's it's just at Saint Charlie on Twitter. That's that's pretty much it. That's that's my only real social media platform. Twitter is the fastest and most convenient way of getting information and also ranting and going psychotic during football games. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love coming on. You guys are great. The show's fun. Uh, I hope I hope uh, <laughs> there was a lot a lot we did digested a lot in this podcast and i just hope the listeners are able to um you know stick it out and listen to the whole thing because we went over a lot of topics and and we really broke it down it was great yeah it was tyler famous famous uh sign off time my man uh okay it's funny i'm gonna mention this first because you always do it i always have to like uh add on at the very end uh uh for you too thank you dan you're amazing host. same to you man thank (laughs) you you are yeah see there you go you're the best co-host i could have asked for (laughs) Ditto, uh, dilly dilly, dilly uh, dilly. Uh, look at look it up, guys. If you don't know what that means, uh, I, okay. Yeah. What? No, go ahead. Dilly dilly. Oh, dilly, okay. Dilly. Go ahead. Okay. Dilly dilly. Okay. So, thank you guys so much for watching. Social media time. Like we said, follow our good man over there, Charlie. If you're not, you should be. Um. So for our social media now, uh, first off, make sure to check out the other hosts over there, Dayton Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at. Dan underscore Brown underscore. You can follow this guy over here if you want at Raven Tyler M on Twitter. You can follow our official Who That Dish podcast account at the WDD podcast. Now, unfortunately, we couldn't go live this time. Uh, technical errors. We'll get it figured out next week. But um, uh, check it out when we go live and stuff. We we I think we're going to stick with Periscope for now on. So check our Twitter accounts. You'll see that whenever we go live. We'll give you updates for that. Um, we also do polls, too, on our uh, podcast account, so check out those. And uh, send us questions, too. We love your questions. Um, make sure to check out uh, Who That Dish. They have a Facebook page. Just search Who That Dish. You'll find them. They have great articles you should check out. Like we mentioned earlier, 
They're the reason why we're doing this. They have fantastic commentary, articles, information, news, all that good stuff. Um, Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Just search uh, Who That Dish Podcast. They'll come up too. That's where you can also find us. But thank you guys so much. We appreciate it, as always. Yeah. Thank you so much for the support. Be sure to follow us on social media platforms, especially Twitter, to stay up to date with everything that yep. we're doing, all the podcast episodes. Uh, also, totally my my uh, my bad on the Periscope this time. That's so all good, man. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll do better next time. Tyler Tyler will Tyler will take that over, and uh, it'll be a lot <laughs> better. But uh, we we like doing the Periscopes. We like when you guys ask us questions. So keep that coming. Um, next week we'll be having two episodes, and one of them will be previewing the Jets game with our good friend Joe Leo, who's on the show during the off season. So it's going to be awesome to have him back on the show again. Thank you to Charlie. Thank you to everybody listening. Thank you to Tyler. Thank you to Fanside. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Be sure to go to dish.com, read some kick-ass articles. Uh, if you're not <laughs> living there, you should be, especially if you're a Saints fan. Again, guys, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.